welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of speaking with the founder and CEO of Raisin in the Sun. She is a visionary, creative, a track and field Olympian whose career spans nearly a decade specializing in community arts initiatives and in cross-disciplinary collaborative work. Please welcome Raisin McIntosh. Welcome to the podcast. Rob, thank you for having me. And howdy, like howdy. they say from Texas. Howdy. <laughs> Nah, that's not uh, how I do that. I do that <laughs> a lot up, here. Though. I do that all the time here. Though people are like people, I can see it now. People are gonna be like, I knew he Where was leaving. From? He always says howdy. <laughs> um, I find it, I find it to be disarming though. Um, so um, thank you, and you you were very um, surprised. I want, I want to say that like on on air, what have you, in this whole process of starting this this spinoff series, um, truth and truth in this art beyond. Um, you've been very helpful and kind of like giving me direction and giving me like recommendations and in part, you know, giving me funding or what have you to kind of help do some of this stuff. So I really appreciate it. And I think this is one of the really good intro introductory steps to kind of move and spread this kind of conversation, mm-hmm. you know, bro- more broadly than the mid Atlantic region, but kind of hitting these other markets and telling these stories. So thank you so much. Oh no, absolutely. I think it was a no brainer for me. Once I met you and I kind of learned a little bit about the work you were doing. Um, I was like, Oh yeah, he's got to get down to Austin. So really, really happy that you were able to do that. Absolutely. So um, with all of the, 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 the niceties out of the way, it's time to get into some weird questions. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to start off with um, some of those like vital stats or what have you. I gave the the copy and paste kind of like uh, background, but um, you know, could you share like those those integral components of who you are um, in the arts and culture space? And tell me about your career path because it's not often. Uh, I have never spoken to an Olympian, so let's let's get that in there as well. So let's talk about it a little bit. It is different. It is a different. It's a journey. I've been on a journey, like a crazy journey. But um, so I want to start off by saying, originally, I am I'm from Houston, Houston, Texas. You yeah, know, Travis Scott. You know, Lil Kiki, Beyonce, Paul Wall. You know, yeah. all the dope people. You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, there. You know, Astros. What are we doing? <laughs> Astros. You know. Um, Houston Rockets, you know, but okay. Anywho, <laughs> West Bend High School, West, uh, you know, Southwest, Southeast. Yeah, anywho, this is uh, great. Yeah. Um, definitely born and raised there. Um, before we get into the path into Austin, which was a little bit over half my life in Austin, in and out, in and out. But the first half was definitely rooted in Houston, and um. A little community uh, and neighborhood southeast of 610 near the old Astrodome, used to be Astroworld, yeah. now it's the Reliance Center. It's a, a neighborhood called Sunnyside, Yeah. Mm-hmm. near Cloverland, and, and right before you start getting into the wards that line down uh, the east side of the Houston, flip. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. goes all the way to Fifth Ward, you know, which um, my mom was, you know, raised in Sunnyside and my dad literally on the east side, other half and on the north side, Fifth Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> and he went to Wheatley High School. My mom went to Worthing High School and my mom and my dad and her and met and had me and, you know, my sisters. And so um, rooted in, in Houston and, and my dad uh, was pretty much a, a powerful and still is a creative. He's an artist. He's uh, 
He could build anything, build a house, he can build a stage, he built for the community, he builds uh, and carves out of wood, he's a designer, he can paint. I mean, he's just one of those, you know, um, just creative beings and <clears throat> first kind of introduced me to um, just the world of arts and culture and it's what it could really mean to somebody's life and, and the power of its opportunity and expression. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of like my background. And then of course, early on, he said, Hey, I don't care what you do. You don't have to paint. Cause I told him, I don't like painting. I don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, you got to get in to some kind of art. I don't know what it, it could be music, get your behind, start singing. You need to do something. Cause you got some creativity and you, you just don't know yet, you know? And so, uh, so I got into, uh, a, the jazz band. So I, I started with tenor sax early on middle school. And uh, until I got to high school, <laughs> Westbury High School, when um, I began to develop not the C for creative, but that other C, which means competitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I got in, I started carrying this big old tenor sax, bigger than me. You know, people start pushing around, hey, what you doing with the tenor sax? You know, you know, like it's bigger than you. Like, you know, what are you here for? You know, and I started getting in the gym, playing basketball. And then when somebody spotted me playing basketball, they were like, hey, you need to get into, you know, the program, you know, the athletic programs. And so I got in and, um, was a speedy on the court doing really well and very competitive and then I ended up in track. Mm. And so that's how um, I got into track and just, you know, ran like, you know, what's the guy um, that ran, ran Forrest, the Forrest Gum guy. <laughs> that run, was Forrest, me. run, raise and run. Run, raise and run. Uh, yeah. So I ran out of, you know, Houston. I really did. I ran, I played it was full scholarship. Yeah. Um provided me a powerful opportunities to travel the world. Yeah. Um a uh powerful education at UT, University of Texas, in which I landed in Austin. And um where I really began after that chapter, after the world championships and the Olympics and all of the different competitive travel and, and um, things, I went to uh, the next chapter, which was uh, into the arts and the community really was yeah. really, this is a story of philanthropy. Yeah. yeah. This is not, this is, a t I think art and community and creative placemaking is a tool really, mm -hmm. but this is about how can I give back to people and yeah. humanity and, and, and how to, um, make the mark and then build that legacy and leave that legacy. So that's kind of like how I got to Austin. So if that's enough of a background. I mean, we can go into detail. No, oh, no, I got more. I got more Austin questions later. What have you that I'll, I'll hit you with. Um, so you you touched on um, creative placemaking. So let's let's talk about your your current work or what have you. And you're going to love the way this next part of the question works. And, you know, could you share any hurdles? <clears throat> literal <laughs> otherwise uh, to your work You're smart <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh so yeah look i love i love um so creative placemaking mm. so creative placemaking to me is really the creative that wants to look at space as a canvas mm -hmm. right um it is a platform to really look at eyesores underutilized spaces and lots and warehouses and you know 
anything that has the ability to create or just to hold people in, right? Um, To me, that is the epitome of really that type of tool is to say, hey, you know, there's a vacant lot and what could we do? We could do a skateboard park, we can do a, um, a soccer field, a temporary something to utilize these spaces while they sit vacant to solve problems, to be solution-based, to inspire, to, in, to restore, to bring folks together, to help somebody realize their potential, yeah. right? To put an artist in, 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 put an artist to work or give them economic viability visibility right um how could we look at these but it could be a lot i mean a a alley in the middle of downtown that is just trashed and just sitting there it's about seeing that space in a whole new light yeah right and so when you talk a little bit about hurdles to this uh this type of work first of all people don't know what it is right (laughs) That's the biggest hurdle to me is talking all the time, trying to explain. See, I'd rather be out there working and doing stuff and people giving us the funds to do that. Yeah. But I'm I'm spending half my time trying to build stories, content to show people, hey, this is what it is. Believe in it because it's incredibly transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that answer to a lot of this siloed you know, new age community, if you will, like new people moving in and old people there. And then they just looking at each other. They looking, they looking. <laughs> nobody's getting it. Nobody wants to sit at the table. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody, everybody's just, you know, yeah. nagging at each other and hating. And, you know, so I think for me, it's, you know, that would be the first hurdle to really explain to people what it is that we do. And then I would say to piggyback on that is, is, you know, getting um what comes after that is really to get the funding and the city on board in terms of the policies to kind of make the work that we're doing a little bit easier right because it in one instance it almost looks like i'm a developer if you Mm -hmm. think about that because it's like i'm literally having to get temporary use permits and like i'm having to you know you know i might have to you know, you know, uh, reserve a lift or equipment yeah. or just just things that a lot of times contractors and developers are they're, they're in this field. I might have to get a turf permit, temporary mm-hmm. use right, right away. So, but what the in, the industry, the, the role and the line of work that I'm doing is not that. Right. right. You know what I mean? So I, I would say that is a second big hurdle, but I think the impact that we've had in Austin to date it's been a lot easier. And so we have established those relationships with the city and we've done amazing work and people are like, oh, wow, this is what they do. Like, so it, let's try to get in and try to make these policies and these um, different uh, uh, <clears throat> rules and stuff easier for an organization mm-hmm. like this to be able to do the work that they're doing. And I, and I think, because as I'm listening to it, I, I think about what I'm doing from from my space, right, and not 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 my space because that's defunct, I think. But um, <laughs> that's not bad, though. My space was actually interesting. <laughs> but I but I think about you know people have this kind of. And, and this is a word I just learned, so it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of Luddite sort of sort of like approach where you don't have vision, you don't believe in technology, you don't believe in this new approach to maybe doing things. So to your point, 
of, you know, having to explain over and over. And that's a nice chunk of your time. Like mm-hmm. in a week, I start looking at the calendar. I start off the week. Right. And I'm like, all right, because I and I have the day job, too. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> like, all right, how many meetings are podcasts? I start coloring them in a different way. Like what's a podcast? What's a conversation? And I'm going to try to get to a space where and it, it feels inorganic, but try to get to a space where if it's not a podcast, it's got to be a 15 minute conversation because you're, you're not getting it through. And you, and I find that I'm continually having conversations with folks about this is what a podcast is. This is why this is beneficial to this thing. This is what it's about. Whereas simply it could be, Hey, listen to a couple of episodes. You'll get a temperature on what the aim is. And it says it all over the place. And then you have to get past this other hurdle of, well, we would fund an arts thing, but this isn't art. Like, okay, or podcasts on art or what have you. And then I can re- retort with, have, have you have you listened to like audio dramas? That's a play, just yeah. via, via audio, you know? And so if that could be on stage and then maybe it's not on stage, maybe it could be done as film or maybe it can be done as audio. So each one of those is the same thing, but just done in a different way. So why isn't this documentarian sort of thing, the storytelling thing considered art? So it's a lack of vision sometimes. Listen, listen, you speaking of, listen, you speaking my language right now. I, I need to, first of all, understand why can't people see that what you do and what I do is an art? Mm-hmm. It's a creative thing. It it's is a, like, it's a curatorial thing. It's, it's curatorial. <laughs> it's, it's, every, it's freaking like, I think people have to understand that their idea of what art is, it's not, it's just, my dad used to tell me art is in everything and it isn't everywhere. It's everywhere. Like, I'm not a painter. Yeah. I probably could paint if I practice and that's what <laughs> I wanted to do and focus my time on. Yeah. But I'm creating something else. Yeah. Right. And, and it's in a true sense too, where I think you're not doing a grifter thing. You're not doing a, and people don't get it. I think a lot of times and in talking with folks here who are nonprofits who are in like these uh, creative supporting sort of uh, facilitator sort of spaces, the anti gatekeepers, if you will, right. you know, they'll just say like, and I, and I, and I reference my experience with you and some of the other five folks in Austin of, I was like sight unseen that was a supportive situation there from somebody they've never met, has no ties to this city, but has a desire to cover things there. Whereas mm-hmm. here, you know, in, in Baltimore at times, it's like you really have to kind of break your neck to get an, an ignored email, not even, not even a follow up, <laughs> but an ignored email. And it's like we have to kind of shift from it because um, I've been reading because, you know, on the, on the trip down to Austin, I was listening to the Austin Cleon books, you know, because that's that's part of my process. I'll listen to like books about cu- culture and, and, and creativity and things of that sort. And one that I dove into was the um, Rogue Artist Handbook. And it, it, I had something that hit me that was just like basically kind of a pushback and the guy was talking about um like these creative benchmarks the the author was talking about these creative benchmarks and he was like don't fall for him he's like never fall for him and you know he said sometimes people have this idea of what's art and what's outsider art and you know that outsider art is kind of most art and that right there feels like it's a fallacy it's like how is most art outsider art 
That is crazy to me. And it's like you haven't had a gatekeeper get you over as the next big thing yet, hence your outsider art. And I was like, okay, thank you for explaining that because I was I was struggling with it for a bit, you know? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link to it. You can check it out, what have you. It's, it's, it's worth a listen. So wow. this question right here, because, um, you know, this, this directly comes out of Steel Like an Artist, so I'm just letting you know. There is a, a quote that, uh, you know, art is life, life is art, I never separate them. What are your, your thoughts on this quote? And have you had experiences where, you know, art or being around artists taught you life lessons? Absolutely. <laughs> like, I think that quote is amazing. Um, I think it speaks to what we were just talking about um, in terms of um, really, to me, art is everywhere. Not only is it life, right? Yeah. It's in everything. You know, I think it's just about opening up your mind and um, receiving that. Um, and then also really going down that journey, that creative journey, right? It's just like, and the journey is what kind of empowers and, and makes you powerful as you're going down the journey to be able to do these things and the experiences that you have. Um, and in talking about experiences, when you're looking at the, the amount of people that we are running into, that we're working with, we're collaborating with, we're serving, um, it becomes all about, you know, how to deal with people, right? Um, and in that, you see um, different cases, right? And different, different experiences when, um, when you're understanding this thing called life, right? And so, for example, I'll give you one, <clears throat> of course, I'm not going to say any names, but, you know, you work with somebody that is in a leadership position sure. here in Austin, um, has, um, you know, a powerful following, you know, has developed either a company organization or has an incredible business, but may might be struggling from trauma on the inside, right? right? And when the trauma surfaces, people just kind of, because they're at the level of that giver and that yeah. leader level, you, you, you're powerful regardless. Yeah. Right. But not always checking what's coming out, what you're giving out to everybody. So a lot of times what I'm trying to say is hurt people, hurt people. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. And in this position that I'm in having to understand and stand back and identify that, and not be reactive, right? And to understand how to leave a tidbit to be able to heal some of that trauma through the work that we're doing and the collaboration and the experiences that they have, yeah. right? Uh, and I, I don't know if that's kind of hitting it, but I think no, it, is. Yeah. it might not solve or heal the entire trauma, but what it does is it plants a seed. And so the next experience that they expect to have reactions or whatever to feed that um, I think um, it's still that seed that grows, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and I think that um, that's kind of like when you're dealing with art and you're saying art is life, um, you have to you have to be ready to deal with people. And not only that, you have to be consciousness enough to understand a lot of the trauma and things that are going along within the creative industry, mm -hmm. uh, particularly arts and culture and community, understanding that a lot, especially in a city like Austin, that um, 
it's a very expensive city to live. I, I don't want to get into I, We can get into it later. You know, there's huge amounts of gentrification and displacement happening. Mm-hmm. And a lot of who's suffering besides BIPOC, people of color are, are creatives. Yes. Right. That are just up and coming um, and understand that there is a truly ideology on some people that, you know, that they're starving. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so understanding that that is a lot of what you're dealing with. You're constantly working on our end to pre- present these opportunities and to give a little, uh, you know, yeah. a little, little push up there so they can see the game. Yeah. Right. And Absolutely. they just want to be able to see the game. That's it. And, and, and just a little opportunity to be able to thrive. Yeah, because you 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 touched on it, and you know I you know I, I I could put it this way, you know from the the minimal time I was there, you know I was like you know seven dollar lattes are starting to add up. It's like you know this is a bit wild, and you know being able to have conversations. I'm not the hey how's it going guys, you know, but you know I have you know a few instances down there, and you know I'm just kind of hanging out and taking in the city, and I feel like I got a very um, I got an introduction, but also I got a kind of a one sided introduction. So I know it's going to be a part two, you know, and you got to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And, and I, and I think with it, yeah, you, you see like the numbers, you know, and I do the comparison thing or what have you And any place that I go, it's like, how much do I like it? And then how is it compared to where I'm from? How is it compared to Baltimore in terms of economics and so on? And then when you see it and you start looking for, all right, where is where's the graffiti? Where's the murals? Where are the different things that kind of add the seasoning to a spot? And mm, I can see the indeed building prominently. You know what I mean? But it, and, and I, I I'm, I'm pensive. I, I kept I kept an eye on that. I was like, all right, this is what's happening here. And you know, it's it's a thing. It's the thing worth considering. And you're looking for all right. Where's the neighborhoods? Where 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 are the people doing the wild things? Where is the non um, the kind of like individual spot or what have you? Where can I get some art supplies if I want it or pen and a pad trouble. or something? Yeah. We're in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's 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 disappearing. Yes, and and the thing that struck that stuck that struck me rather is. I, I think a little bit of that is happening here in a very slow way, but I think it's a, a cultural rebrand. And, you know, one of the things when I first started the the interviews, I was like, so Juneteenth. <laughs> and I was talking about that a little bit. I was like, that's a Texas thing, right? And I was like, we literally had this rebrand. We had freedom rebranded in front of us. And you could, you could ask a few people. I think I told like Pam this, just like, okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> but it's it's but it's a thing. It's like, oh it's a thing here. It's like this is something that was already there. It was already celebrated and acknowledged but in, in, in certain pockets. And then it's like, let's shift it. We're gonna do it better for you. Mm-hmm. We started it. Now it's our time to take it over. And I think that that happens when it comes to arts and culture where because I saw this video yesterday and dude was just talking about um, it's this like um, real estate guy. And he was talking about some of the plans for you know 2025, 2027 of things moving in and business moving in and headquarters being built out from heavy. I, think I saw that video, the same one. Uh-huh, like I'm talking, about, talking about Google. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it going to look like? And I think, you know, it's a little self-serving, I'm going to say, but I think being able to document where a place is at at a given point 
is importance. There is something important about that being able to say, all right, this is what people were living and experiencing at this time before this was rebranded as, you know, let's keep it weird. That's all I know knew about Austin before coming down there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Lot, lot, lot the process there. <laughs> it's a lot to probably get chills because I'm working, I'm working to, to yeah. help, to help, um, not only just preserve and what you talked to Pam from six square, she's, that's yeah. what their mission is, is to preserve the African-American culture district. I'm, I'm really here. It's on a, for us, it's, you know, it's everything mural arts, it's creative placemaking, it's restoration, it's uh, environment for the community, like, yeah. right. For, for the things that are weird, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and for like, and, and we want to give the opportunity for these newcomers in, in the big companies to give, right. And be a part of that. Yeah. But we're not in the business of creating ads. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a huge thing. Like if you want to have your little acknowledgement because everyone wants to, and I've been in more of these things where, we want to think we want to thank our sponsors and acknowledge the blah blah blah, and it's like cool acknowledge them, but this is not an advertisement um, for, not an for them by and far. If by you, far, if you want to do something that is socially responsible, what have you, the, the word that I've had a lot of trouble with recently in in talking to folks in that kind of lane, impact. What's the impact of your work? It's, like, it's hard to it's hard to have impact when you're when you're working with people. You know what I mean? It's like you want to serve people. You want to understand why you're doing a certain thing, but it's still human behavior. And it's like you might need six months. You might need a year. You might need two to get people invested and buy in. But ultimately, it leads. Let's say if you have, you know, a mural or something that goes up in an area that has been blighted, you know, has been ignored. That is going to improve the quality of life. And I'm sure that there's data that backs it up that improves the quality of life of seeing something that's beautiful versus something that's like, you know, bad. You said something powerful just now. Man, you are good. Um, See, <laughs> um, I'd like to say, and this is just, it's not off the record, but I want people to understand when I say this. The work that we do, okay, so you see beautiful projects that we've manifested and we've curated over 20 plus artists in one project and creatives and we're doing all these great things. But what people don't understand is one, the artists come on the end of that. If it's an eight, nine month, a year project, they may come the last two months, mm-hmm. right? Through the whole entire process of selection and panels and community meetings or whatever, that's one. Right. The other thing is um, it takes an enormous amount of capacity within an organization to spend time doing this work. And the third thing is the meat of this, the impact, what you're saying is the journey from start to finish. That's where people have to come together. That's when the conversations are being had. That's when the community engagement does its thing. Like there's this process, you know, when you do a painting, right? There's this, you know, phases, right? And so there's a certain foundation that you have to have. I mean, I watch Bob Ross. (laughs) He builds that foundation. Yeah. You know, so the, the the little things, the details on the top can shine. Yeah, the happy little trees. Come on. Like, <laughs> so these projects, and we just came off of a huge one, Bomb Road. I mean, that's another award winning one. Nobody cared a year and a half ago when I was talking about, hey, you want to come on and help us out? We're mm-hmm. trying to- 
it was an eyesore retaining wall, you know, a whole corridor. You had to get the funding and all this. And now it's a destination now, but a destination for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This is a message to we neighborhood wins. This is a message about stories of community people that have been here 60 plus years and they have fought for environmental justices that have been happening from the 1928 plan that pushed all the black and brown people from the west side of Austin to the east and then through all the tanks and the dirt and the trash and everything contaminated on that side as they segregated. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Right, right. So this is, this is intentional curatorial work here mm-hmm. that has a very powerful middle and beginning that sets up the end. And that mm-hmm. looks beautiful. Like, and it could transform a eyesore, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's on the wall, whether it's in the parking lot, on the ground, on the street, whether it's just a space that you want to throw paint on or just throw couches yeah. and some turf and make it welcoming. But the why behind what we're doing and that journey that leads up into what everybody sees. Yeah. And and the, the why is always important. Like, you know, working like my day job is in, you know, I'm a data analyst in my day job and being able to throw out numbers and you and throw out, um, you know, impact statements, throw out like this is how this connects. So when I was applying for like funding and grants and so on, you know, I threw out there this and I got some feedback from someone I know and, um, and that, that raises a fair amount of funds for a museum. And I was like, so what's a good impact statement? And she told me she was like, you should do some research on what the industry you're covering is. So I put that together. Impact statement was what my work does is expose people to this community of arts and culture that's bringing in this amount of money. I can attach it to this. And it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, that's the people I'm talking to. Those are the people I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. And it's growing at a very accelerated rate because there's so many stories. Whereas, you know, initially, you know, it's only going to be, you'll be lucky to find 20 people. You won't be able to find anybody that's interesting, has an interesting story. And it's like, no, we're going to have some interesting stories. There's going to be some good conversations here, some great conversations. And, you know, people deserve to have their communities look good, to have um, their stories being told that, that they matter. And right. I think that that's missed a lot of times because, you know, people don't don't see it. Like, you know, you can have your your placement on a mural or something. That's fine. You know, I've seen some that are here that um, I remember, uh, I think it was BT connected with one of the local artists here and they did this um, mural maybe promoting the revival of, I think it was, it was either revival or it was the 20th anniversary or 30th anniversary of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? And they were able to have their signage on there, almost like a tag for like a, you know, like an Instagram tag almost. But yeah, they like were, at the bottom or something yeah, like that. That's, that's fine. Or even have the little plaque there that this was, you know, brought together with support from blah, blah, blah. Right. That's right. fine. But right. don't turn it into... You know, this is your thing because you yeah. didn't paint this. You helped fund it. You helped facilitate it. That's right. that's kind of the extent of it. Right. Um. So I, I want to ask this before we because we, we can get into the weeds about all of these things. Is we're gonna say Wayne left on things. So that's that's great. Um. So I got I got two questions um that I want to hit you with, and then I got some Austin questions because I wanted to go full circle with it. Do so it. 
There, there are times that uh, we have less time to complete a project. So we put things off into the last minute sometimes, and then we rush to complete them. I know that I've done it. I know several people that are like, oh, shit, I got a deadline, you know? Um, and we find that um, that there is fun sometimes that you can procrastinate. Like you have those periods like, all right, I need to rejog that creative energy. I need to step away from this work briefly. <laughs> Right. and do something that's kind of a distraction, but that's still creative to kind of get back and get that energy and that kind of like, I guess, untangle the brain, if you will. Do you do anything that's like that? Are you are you prone to procrastination? Do you have any? Because you're always busy, you know, from what I understand. Yeah. And you're you're the main person like your name, your name rings in the streets, as it were. Yeah, that's a great question, um, because in the last year it has exponentially like gotten insane like for me like time wise like time wise and our partners always get it on your calendar and this and this and that and because I'm it things are beginning to slip a little I, I hate I'm admitting this right now because I usually I got this I got all of it <laughs> but it's it's slipping a little bit and so I'm having to really have a strong team behind me, start to delegate a lot more, especially when we talk about this later, but when I took director at the downtown position to kind of do this creative placemaking stuff, um, it really started to intensify in terms of, in terms of the time. But, um, but a little before that, about a year ago and, you know, dating back at least five to seven years, I was an avid like biker. And then let me, let me just, let me just um, pause for a second and say, this is not Lance Armstrong, like road biking. I tried dirt, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, I guess you could say like, not dirt biking, but yeah, I guess mountain biking. Yeah. That's not my thing. I'm talking about urban <laughs> city fixie, no <laughs> brakes, oh. like, yeah, like riding, you know, with a sports bra on and a cap and a backpack with a bunch of stuff in there you probably don't need. Just getting um, it. <laughs> just going, like, you know, just riding around, really immersing myself into community and different um, experiences in, in different cities, right? Mm -hmm. And especially here in Austin. And so that was, like, that was really a lot of where I got a lot of my, like, edgy uh, inspiration like it would that, that community bike community is dope man and you, yeah. you can just find anybody from the president all the way to you know the engineer to the church folks to you know to the podcast i mean yeah. anybody can get out there and get on a bike and ride and so i um i would oftentimes take off Mm -hmm. And just plan a trip, maybe to New York or maybe, you know, I haven't been to Baltimore, but in an area that I could research that has some bike lanes in the urban setting Yeah. and plan a weekend, you know, and go out there and pack my bike. I have a bike case. Yeah. Um, put it back together. Yeah, that, that's me, you know, like. Um, and then I want to say one more thing besides the biking, sure. and that is at, at heart, if you really want to look at a skill that I have, you can kind of, you can't see my hands, but I have a, I'm a builder. Yeah. That's what I, I could build a house if I put some time in it, right? Mm -hmm. this, this idea of restoration and raising the sun really came from watching HGTV and like <laughs> building little projects because yeah. I just really wanted to go in and restore stuff. 
Um, but when I'm in line doing that work, it could be, you know, refurbishing or redoing furniture, old furniture, whatever it is, I'm in a place of peace there. Mm-hmm. It's very much um, very uh, zen for me, yeah. right? And so what I needed oftentimes to take a break from is the next level of creativity that I'm doing, which is a lot of times it's a leader level advocate. I'm in the community. I'm curating stuff. I'm, um, you know, I'm producing, I'm doing all these things that is also has a Zen component because it's creating, but it's not as intense. So then when I feel like I'm either biking or building something, I feel like the pressure is released for me to be able to either take in inspiration or manifest the inspiration that I take in. That's legit. Yeah, that's absolutely legit. Um, I, I, sometimes I just have to take, take breaks from it because I feel like (laughs) just being on all the time. Um, and that's not a thing that I'm used to. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm six foot four, I'm, I'm a, I'm a 300 pound, like black dude or what have you. So I'm, I'm noticeable. It's like, oh yeah, that's Rob Lee, right? That's podcast guy right there. And I'm like, yo, if I can just like slide in here and get this burger without anybody noticing me. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it's it's cool what have you. And I'm not like saying, oh, woe is me. But also it's kind of one of those things where you don't want to be unkind. And, and I notice when I'm or even short with somebody and I notice when you know, I need to kind of have that departure. It's like, I need to change a scenery. That's my yep. version of procrastination. Even if it's, I need to just go down to DC. I need to just go like, just in a different setup. Like, you know, it, it helps. It helps even, mm-hmm. uh, um, it helps even like clear out some of like, all right, I think I'm gonna do different questions. And I right. bring that notepad with me and I'm like, all right. Cause when I was thinking of the questions for you that I was gonna ask you, I was like, all right. I think I was on the flight actually and i was writing questions and that like helped out a lot because it's a change of where at least where my mind is at i was in front of my desk and i'm like all right come up with some questions it's not going to happen it's in in that way i'm going to have to flush them out yeah to add to that point i think the flights have been extremely a, a moment of they they provide clarity to me and really early in the mornings between like four and seven a.m yeah is if you didn't get the clarity or the creative inspiration the previous day or even week, sleep on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it hit you. It it'll hit you. hit you. Yeah, it'll hit you indefinitely in, in, in those times. And that that is a question that I throw out there on occasion to people who, you know, they really are reliant, super reliant on imagination. I'm like, when does it hit you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are times where I'll have something and I'm like, all right, I need to, I wake up like, <gasps> with, you know, <laughs> and, and, and grab the pen and just write it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So real quick, this this one, I want to I have a quick one and I got some uh, Austin questions for you. Um, so. <laughs> Um, could you could you share a recent um, uh, project that or, or program that that you've curated that you've worked through um, and just kind of like give us that rundown just to kind of further flesh out just what it is uh, within the work that you're doing? Ooh. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the most recent one. I like it. You pulled the pen out. By the way, it's great. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the most recent one. Um, so we have we we just did a citywide uh, ribbon cutting unveiling for 
the bomb road murals project mm-hmm. right and so in a nutshell um we hired over 20 plus creatives including coordinator videographer photographer artists visual you know we had um we, we had an on-site manager there we had you know uh, a digital content writer um <clears throat> We had over 15 plus installations, art installations, along a 900 plus square feet long. I'm talking five blocks corridor. Like you can literally turn off airport from the airport, turn off airport to Bomb Road and just Mm -hmm. drive. And it's endless art. I mean, you're just taking it in. And each one of these pieces are powerful. They speak to the community, speak of the community in mind and the environmental injustices that they have encountered. And then future, you know, and present, right? You know, and then there are community installations. We've had three to four community installations where we got people out to be able to express themselves uh, um, through different prompts and different things. And, and I wanted to kind of paint that picture because, and it's not on our website yet because that's how overcapacitated we are, um, but we're working on that now. But if you go on to our Instagram, you can be able to see a little bit of uh, on the highlights of that project. But um, I love this project because one, um, a year and a half ago when we took it on from the city, and this was uh, in partner. It was uh, we were commissioned by the city's neighborhood partnering program, uh, in partnership with the Gavali Neighborhood Association. This project had so many different components, right? Um, we ended up taking this project on because of the opportunity. It was a passion project, mm-hmm. um, and the opportunity to really impact a neighborhood uh, through the arts and through the work that we're doing. And so we ended up um, on a journey. To kind of say, hey, city, we'll commission this and here is we want full autonomy. You know, we'll pass y'all over the design so y'all can, you know, check. But we don't want you in any of the creative processes, what we're doing. Uh, We're going to create an engagement strategy for you um, in terms of. multiple ways that the communities can come in on on virtual meetings and and get involved and have a seat at the table and what they wanted to see. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to make sure that these artists are selected through a curated panel of uh, selectors, right, of people that represent the community, the neighborhood, the arts, local businesses around there and people that are going to partake and see these murals every day. Um, We're going to make sure that the artists understand their role and what they need to do in terms of getting inspired through uh, face-to-face conversations with these people, right? Um, And this is going to be a journey, right? Um, And so uh, um, after a year and a little bit of change, we ended up unveiling that mural. And it's literally award-winning because People that were, if they didn't pass and they were on people that were actually on the wall to today was able to attend that in the families that uh, were able to uh, celebrate their loved one. Right. Um, and the and the and the feedback and the and the and the, and the excitement behind it was literally blows me away like with the work that we're sometimes the work that you're doing literally like okay this is what we're doing yes lord this is god's work and there's tears coming down and it's like but through that year you know it's like 
I mean, we had one artist that was like giving us some issues and I'm like, look, let me remind you of why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just, you know, it's kind of like Moses in the Red Sea and all this is kind of like, hey, you know, didn't you didn't we just get saved yesterday? Y'all forgot. <laughs> like, but let's let's keep let's keep, you know, our mind focused here and get to the mark. Yeah. Get to the mark. And so that is a, it's a, I mean, and when I say it's proud, I'm proud because that's a week ago. I'm still in that moment to where, you know, I believe, you know, that yeah. this work, it works. Yeah. Yeah. It works. So, yeah. It's that, it's that reminder and it's that, like, that that proof that, now that as, you, as you put it, this, this work works. <laughs> <laughs> this work works. Um, <clears throat> so I got, I want to hit you with these Austin questions real quick. And, um, yeah. So what was your first memory of Austin? Cause you, you, you touched on, uh, you know, uh, UT and all of that. What was your first memory that pops up? Like, was it like, Oh snap on late for class. What was that first memory for you at Austin? Mm, that's another good one. My first memory of Austin. You ready for this? I'm I'm ready. Texas Relays. Do you know anything about Texas Relays? I don't know anything about Texas Relays. I would imagine it's it's running involved. Uh, it's <laughs> something I don't do. Huge, <laughs> huge relay event with all high school, um, the top high school. I mean, really everybody, but the top high school uh, track and field athletes, along with the professionals and mm. the and the collegians that come all into Austin. So it met, but take a second here. Okay. Uh-huh. You and I both know if you're any type of track fan, you know that African American people yes. historically have dominated that mm-hmm. area between the hundred meters on up, right? You know, especially sprints and the hurdles and, and all this. Um and so if you just take a second now, and I'm telling you that this is a huge event. Don't you know they take over Austin when they come in? Oh, okay. Everybody take. I mean, the entire. As a matter of fact, we were just in my day job. We were just talking about we were having uh, diversity, equity, inclusion training. Yeah. Right. And so uh, we were talking about how there's issues downtown with folks closing their bars down early. Because when the Texas Relays get here, I mean, they flood 6th Street and they flood downtown, they flood the east side um, in celebration of, you know, this athletic event. And a lot of times people's kids getting down there, running fast and getting seen and it's it's, it's celebratory. And that is my first experience of Austin was that influx of culture that came in and just kind of like, I'm like, wow, this is like amazing. Right. I don't know. It's kind of like, have you been to pin relays? No, I've not been to any relays. Philadelphia. You need to, man. I mean, all I I do is do podcast stuff. I'm just here in in front of a mic. I'm actually chained to the seat. If you must know, it's like, get to work, get to work, man. It was like, ah, put the mic on fool. But as a podcaster, I would encourage if you have time a weekend or two, or maybe we can go together and go to an athletic competition. And because it's a very, it is a very, it's interesting to see a chapter for me being turned from athletics 
to art and culture, right? Because most of the time, you know, you see people doing coaching and they're doing your trainer or whatever it is. But you have some people. I even think, and I can't remember his name right now. He was actually a track runner at UT. Mm-hmm. And he's an, a famous actor now. Like, I can't even, he's a black guy. He yeah. did that bird movie. I can't remember. But yeah, he's been in some pretty good movies. And uh, and it's interesting to me because he's a creative. Mm-hmm. He's a creative to me. And so, uh, yeah, so that is my first fondest memory. of. And this was in high school when I went to Texas Relay. So it has been a staple, you know, so to speak, being from Texas. You know, Austin was always iconic. Yeah, no, that that's that's dope. Actually, uh, I, I love hearing that, and I, I I I like consuming concentrated culture. I don't like it watered down. So that's a, that's a, I'm really proud of myself on how I describe that. By the way, yeah. Um, so I, I, I've been asking this one. This is the last Austin question before we get to mm-hmm. these rapid fire ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be a challenge because there, you know, there's things there. Yeah. Um, if someone is visiting Austin for, let's say, a weekend, okay, what is one thing that you're like, you absolutely positively have to check this place out, have food at this place? What is an attraction that you would say, that's a must, a must try, at least one? Oh, you don't do this to me. Sorry. I mean, you know, this is the beginning of me ruining all the goodwill that I've established because the rapid fire question did the same thing. So <laughs> you will not. We're not friends anymore. Like, <laughs> um, okay. God dang it. This is a hard one. Okay, guys, I love everybody out there. So <laughs> Bob is really putting my head on the chopping block. But I want to highlight these two areas because of, of one to two things, and I'll talk about it in a minute. So if you're in Austin, immediately go to the east side, mm-hmm. okay? And I want you to visit a street, East 11th. I live on East 12th, but I want you to visit East 11th uh, and East 12th too, because it's the African, um, Ameri- African Cultural District in Austin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little blurb real quick. So you got Sam's barbecue, Johnny's <laughs> you got a lot of other things, right? This is not a black owned facility, but the history yep. and they understand it ties into everything black because it is the African cultural district, right? So I just want to put that in there. Um so there's this two entities, restaurants. One is called Hillside Pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other is Rosewood, Rosewood restaurant. Okay. Now I'm going to real quick. So Hillside pharmacy, um, is black owned. They own the building, but they lease it out to, um, to a a powerful group of people that, uh, have created Hillside pharmacy. And it's a a wonderful restaurant with amazing dope ass food. And we go, Alex and Alex and I, we go, my partner, we go often, uh, but they also support our organization, uh, raising the sun, both Rosewood and they also do. But, um, the reason why I love Hillside pharmacy is because it's named after an African-American, pharmacist that was there in the early 1900s that um, was a good friend. His name was uh, um, uh, Pharmacist Young. He was young. His last name was Young. And 
across the street is Rosewood with Dr. Della Wash and he delivered babies. Like he was a midwife. And both buildings are still the same shell. And in Hillside Pharmacy, if you go in, it feels like a pharmacy, yeah. right? They still, the shelves has, they saved a lot of the medicine uh, bottles that um, that Young had, and uh, they still interact with the family, the uh, generations from the family, uh, and um, and they also are very much in community. Uh, and so when you walk into this space, it feels nostalgic, but in a very, very powerful way. And then uh, across the street is Rosewood, which is one of the oldest homes. Mm-hmm. of the African-American uh, cultural district. And it was Dr. Delawash who was in that home first. And he dealt, he he was the midwife person that people would go to to get their kid or to be the babies delivered. And uh, we ended up doing the Rosewood mural there in um, honor of Young and Delawash in an augmented reality uh, style partnered with um, Ernesto Hernandez, which he, he did an augmented reality mural in which you can literally scan and hear my voice talking. Hey, this is Dr. Watch, and this is blah, blah, blah. this is the history of the area. Da, 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 da. And in the Rosewood restaurant, they kept the house, and inside is the restaurant and, and all of the different shells. I really encourage people to go. Um, I think uh, Rosewood has an amazing team as well, and they're very supportive in the community. Uh, and the food is amazing. The chef and it's just they're doing incredible things and and, and have gotten through the pandemic, both restaurants. Um, but I think they're one of my top in, in, in uh, on 11 East 11th Street in an African-American district there. Shout out. I was, I was looking them up while you're describing and I was like, oh, I, see, yeah. I see the shelves in the pharmacy spot. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's, it's fire. It's fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely on the, re- the list of uh, what is it? Um, yeah. When I go back, it's like part two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, part two. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You for, put me on the spot, though. On that but one. I mean, you but you, you kind of cheated, though. You did, too. So points to you. I did. You, but you, I did but you, three because I said sales barbecue, but nobody. I don't know if you right here. Oh, I heard it. I mean, I, you said barbecue. I don't <laughs> so, so I got some rapid fire questions for you. One, I, I was kind of sneaky about I hope I'm accurate in it because, you know, there were some some things out there. Um, but here we go. Here we go. The first one I think you're going to like. What is the most common? And you want to answer these as quickly as possible. What is okay. the most common mispronunciation of your name? Ah, uh, Rossing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're smart, man. <laughs> which, uh, which words or phrases do you most overuse? That's a hard one. Uh, let's see. Maybe honey. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, my, my, my partner, she was just like, yo, she was like, every time I say something, I, I it's like I know things are going to happen in a certain way or what have you. And so I was like, yeah, but don't listen to me, though. She was like, that's going to be the name of your next podcast. I was like, can you can you stop? I was like, why are you trolling me? She's just like, also a spinoff podcast of that one. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what, what, what is this like roast meat right now? What are we doing? Oh, I got a, a number of other ones. But yeah, that one for sure. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Mm. I know. You did it, didn't you? I, I know. Sorry. You can't do that. Okay, what's the movie you most recently watched? Nope. Same. <laughs> Same. We'll, we'll, we'll talk off mic about that. We'll talk off mic okay. about that. Um, in terms of doing one thing well, mm. what would that be for you? I would like to 
be a powerful speaker. Okay. Like, like I want to speak well to things. But you, but you do. But you do. Yeah. There's a passion in there. There's a relatability there. And I think that is a thing. And it's not even the the, the question is not even a what do you want to do? Well, I think it's something that you do. Well, I think you I think you answered that right. Well, um, this is a ridiculous one. And then the last one is the the show. Stop this mess. Do you Google yourself? (laughs) No, I do not. Okay. I did not. I probably should, you know, just figure out what's going on and if we can change it or some shit. There, there yeah. there's, there's some entertaining things that I, that I was like, oh, that was from like 2012. That was- yeah, I probably now I might do it now. I've, I've, I don't go with myself. Yes, you do. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's just like, huh. Um, oh my God. Now I read that you have Liberian heritage. Yes. Well, well, we all from Africa now. But it's yeah, yeah. But it's, it was, it, but it was a prominent thing when I typed it in. It was like in the Google search. The next thing that popped up was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so with it, I always have to ask this because um, I've have a few friends who you know are like you know I've, I've come I'm from there or what have you. Fufu or jollof jollof rice? Oh, jollof rice. Mm. That fufu too was too starchy. <laughs> but see, but see, you knew where I was going with it, though. That's the thing I appreciate. If you would have said, "I don't know what either of those are," like, "All right, this interview is over." <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, to kick off the, this series in a in a strong and powerful way. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, your work, and um, things of that sort. So the floor is yours. Oh, I would just encourage people to check us out on Instagram. I think from Instagram at Raising in the Sun, that's two ways, R-A-A-S-I-N, in the sun, um, is the best way to get to anything we're doing on the website, any project, anything, because we're I have somebody on that. They're always updating. And then I would say the second thing is the website to go on and donate, in which you can get that from Instagram. So um, and if you wanted to check out and you want to scroll through all of the stuff, you can actually go to the website and start picking apart. We haven't archived any projects yet, which we were going to be doing, taking them off the website. But uh, <clears throat> right now, there's still projects there from like 2015, 2014. We've been doing the work for a long time. So, um, yeah, but that's what I would say. And then also, I would say to just check out your local arts and cultural organization and figure out ways to support them. They may not be doing exactly what we're doing, but I guarantee you they're trying to make the mark uh, and preserve culture in your neighborhood. So. So there you have it, folks. I want to thank the great Raisin Macintosh for coming on to the podcast, uh, kicking off truth in this art beyond. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's arts and culture in Austin. So um, talk soon. The Truth in Us Art Beyond is produced with the generous support from Raisin in the Sun, Black Art Matters ATX, and Six Square. Raisin in the Sun is an Austin-based nonprofit organization whose work focuses on cultivating resilience through art and environmental initiatives. Find more out about their mission at RaisinInTheSun.org. Black Art Matters ATX focuses on amplifying black voices in Austin's cultural conversation by financially supporting new work from black artists based in Austin. Learn more about their work at blackartmattersatx.org. And Six Square, 
Their work focuses on preserving and celebrating the historical legacy of the African-American community that once thrived in Central East Austin. Learn more about their work at sixsquare.org. Thank you all for your generous support. Oh.